From the land of the midnight sun, welcome back to Purple Dave's On the Road to Dystopia, your alternative news and information podcast. I'm your host, Purple Dave. While our enemies are training to kill us, the U.S. military promotes trans ambassadors and condemns the J-6 political prisoners. First up, Russian warships have deployed to the North Sea, with Russia discussing why Ukraine's counteroffensive may fail. At the same time, leftists have been criticized, rightfully so, for quickly labeling the death of a New York City career criminal who was put in a chokehold by a former Marine as murder. Also, military-related, the Navy has now approved, and they call them racy Instagram posts from the drag queen sailor. At the same time, the patriotic veterans have been found guilty of seditious conspiracy for J-6. Before we get started, we have a few housekeeping items to take care of. Remember to check us out on our website, our Facebook page, and sign up for our newsletter. All the links are in the description below. As always, the content provided here is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical, financial, legal, or professional advice. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before taking any action on any content related to this podcast or any of the links provided. We do not endorse any candidates or political parties. Additionally, we are not responsible for any incorrect information and ask that you please back check all information and contact us with any and all errors. Remember, if you like this episode, give us a like, subscribe, or follow, and please share with your friends and family so they can unplug from the mainstream media. Okay, we have a lot to cover, so buckle up, grab a drink, and let's dive right in. Well, Russian warships suddenly deployed to the North Sea. And from Hal Turner Radio Show, a concentration of at least five Russian Navy warships plus two auxiliaries has formed in the North Sea. If the Ukraine invasion teaches us anything, it's that the axillaries are just as worth watching as the pointy ships. All five warships are caliber cruise missile capable. And while there may be many explanations for this, it will likely get NATO's attention. The most likely explanation at this stage is an unannounced exercise. Usually the group includes a frigate from the Black Sea, which is prevented from returning to its base in Crimea due to the war, because Turkey has closed Bosporus to warships. It is Bosporus which is the only entry and exit between the Black Sea and ultimately the Mediterranean Sea. Following on the, on the war theme, why Ukraine's much-anticipated counteroffensive could fail out of RT. Okay, the breakdown why Ukraine's much-anticipated counteroffensive could end in failure are... The armed forces of Ukraine ready to mount such a high-stakes operation. What challenges will they face? Talk about a counteroffensive by the armed forces of Ukraine has been doing the rounds for months, but it is still not clear when it might begin or whether it will happen at all. This is despite the drone attacks on the Kremlin. Previously, RT did analyze the readiness of the AFU for such an operation, but this time we will discuss the main challenges that may prevent Kiev's troops from implementing or developing its political leadership aims, and perhaps, more importantly, those of the Western sponsors. So, what is the AFU's main challenge in mounting this sort of endeavor? Well... We currently don't have any idea what the AFU's counteroffensive could take place. Although, Russian military bosses will be well aware of the troop movements. If it involves an attempt to break through the front line, then in addition to preparing reserves for battle, the AFU will need high-precision weapons. The Ukrainian troops will have to use long-range artillery rocket systems, including the U.S.-supplied M142 HIMARS, the MLRS. Since the start of Moscow's offensive, Kiev has used these systems only, only from deep within its own territory. However, to achieve momentum and to penetrate the defensive lines, 
the systems will have to be moved and much closer to the front. The current numbers of the HIMAR rocket launchers, there is about 35 units, may not, and I say may not be enough for a counteroffensive along the entire front line. That front line stretches about a thousand kilometers, a thousand clicks. The systems will probably be concentrated in one or two directions, but this makes them easier to detect and to destroy. Moreover, Ukraine has only a finite supply of missiles for most of its Western weapon systems. And when I'm saying weapon systems, we're talking about weapon systems like the HIMARS. But these systems have never necessarily been tested with high-intensity conflicts. And there is currently no doctrine or tested recommendation on using HIMARS in combined arms warfare or in such large-scale war against a technologically advanced enemy. When I say that, I mean Ukraine versus Russia. Is Russia more technologically advanced? Absolutely. Difficulties with logistics. Considering the risk of detection in the areas of concentrated equipment and Ukraine's fear of losing reserves, as we have seen happening in Bakhmut, and you've seen that with the Wagner Group, they're also having attrition rate issues as well, the AFU will likely prepare its most important military formations from 12 to 36 hours before the main strike. So this is telling us that Russia believes that they will have a 12 to 36 hour notification before the strike. Is this enough time for them to, well, to move their forces? Maybe. We'll see. In the present condition, it's nearly impossible to amass enough fuel and ammunition, not to mention the difficulties in trying to position people in a secret manner. It's not like you have one or two guys walking through the woods. You have mass formations. And you know what? When we were going through the Revolutionary War, there wasn't satellites. There wasn't uh, B-2 bombers. There wasn't spy planes. So today, we have all of that. We have balloons. We have spy planes. We have satellites. And so do they. Russia has already used Lancet drones to hit the German... Jeopard anti-aircraft guns and Soviet S-300 missile systems close to the front line. But as soon as Ukraine's previously hidden equipment was moved closer, guess what? It became much easier to destroy. It's easy to fire when you're hidden. Sometimes it's harder to fire when you're out in the open. So, this demonstrates that the routes used for transporting the Ukrainian military equipment and the places where it's positioned under Russian surveillance, satellite surveillance, if the AFU loses significant amounts of fuel or transport equipment or engineering units, they also have human, uh, in the first two or three days, it will have to adjust a counteroffensive strategy or go or forego that for a backup plan. However, I don't know if they have a sufficient backup plan at this time, I'm talking about Ukraine, for an offensive or a counteroffensive against Russia. I think it's an all-in. All-in, one and done. This is it. This is, the, this is for all the marbles. I understand the military-industrial complex would love for this proxy war to continue for decades. There is big money in war. And it's really big money when the home country is not actively in the war on their own home front. So, who is making money off of this? Who has been making money all along? Well, follow the money. We know where it leads. Moreover, Ukraine has no means of transferring reserves by air. They don't own the airspace. Or conducting amphibious warfare. Yeah, kind of tough to do it when, well, they don't have, well, they're not in control of the ports. And they're not in control of any of the water. Its supply and logistics fully depend on the roads 
and railways. Now, Russia is also beholden to roads and railways for a significant portion of theirs, but they've already moved up many, many, many of their forces and reserves towards the front. In such conditions, the destruction of a bridge or a train line on important supply route may lead to a disaster at the front. And we've seen this already. We've seen this on both sides. With so many challenges, it is possible that the AFU may have to postpone or cancel this counteroffensive altogether. To successfully carry out a major offensive, the AFU may not employ high-tech equipment. We've already talked about the HIMARS, we've already talked about the drones. And instead of relying on brute force, artillery tanks, large numbers of infantry, and enormous amounts of cartridges, you know, lots of small arms, missiles and shells, mortars, etc. However, if something goes wrong, if anything goes wrong, it will be, well, difficult to say the least for Kiev to quickly replenish the ammunition. Heck, we're having a hard time replenishing the re-artillery rounds. Ukraine's tr- troops are almost entirely dependent on foreign military aid. It's not just us, it's also Germany, etc. that's supplying them with aid. But it is a lot. From the United States, including the critical weapon, like I said, for mortar shells, one, 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 two, two millimeter, one, five, two, one, five, five artillery. Uh, used to be one, five, five and eight inch, eight anti-tank systems and cartridges for small arms. Well, we can be certain that it's the general staff understands this and the counteroffensive will take these restrictions into account. It's also clear that the AFU lacks the power to break through a three to five line defensive front. Now, this is, I mean, this is no joke. I, I, I mean, I've got to say as much as I, as much as we all know that Ukraine is on a fool's errand, a, well, a deadly fool's errand. We can't take this counteroffensive lightly. This is significant. There's a significant amount of NATO weapons. There's a significant amount of technology on Ukraine's side. However, Russia has more than enough capability in both technology and in raw materials and weapons and in supplies to keep resupplying in order to well win a win battles of attrition if necessary and if they begin to lose and if they begin to lose too much ground they do have well tactical nukes ICBMs, which they won't have to use there, but they could use here. And what could the West say about using tactical nukes after the after the West and NATO has supplied Ukraine with depleted uranium? Not much of a leg to stand on. So what conclusion can we reach from all of this? Well, judging by the means at the disposal of the AFU right now, Ukraine is likely to use the units formed with Western help in a rapid attempt to puncture the front. Blitzkrieg. Oh, wait. Who tried to blitzkrieg the last time? Well, unsuccessfully so, against the Soviet Union. Would that be the... Nazis? Absolutely. It sure was. Let's see what happens. Taking into account the current numbers of reserves, problems with logistics, and other challenges that will surely surface after the start of the counteroffensive, Kiev's only realistic option is to launch an attack from a specific and previously unannounced direction. But how many of those are actually left well there's some possible locations in the Kyrgyzstan the longest uh, People's Republic and as a backup option I guess they say the AFU may consider attacking villages in the Kursk 
and Bel, uh, Bel, Belgorod regions, which are internationally recognized as part of Russia. However, the main challenge for Ukraine is that its first major strike or even the attempts to accumulate forces may give the game away soon as they come out of hiding soon as they try to transport soon as they try to resupply they will know where everything is and unless nato forces led by the united states jumps in to that battle i don't see and I, I mean, many people, including myself, don't see how Ukraine can be successful. Now, this can be dragged on and can be dragged on and can be dragged on, especially through these small print terrorist types of attacks. But my goodness, how many people, how many civilians are going to have to die for this proxy war so that some people can make a lot of money so that some political favors can be met so that we can try out new technology so we can try out new means and methods new tradecraft this we are putting Millions of people in jeopardy of dying for money, for corruption, for payoffs, for technology and testing of that technology. They don't care about the people. They just are willing to prolong this as long as it takes and kill a generation of people. But while our enemies, I'm not just talking about Russia, we have other frenemies. We have the CCP, we have well, the BRICS nations. While our enemies are training to kill us, training to kill you, training to kill me, the progressive left wants to, on one hand, use the U.S. military, U.S. defense contractors to fight this proxy war at the same time that they want to condemn patriotic veterans and active duty military today, the rank and file, as well as, like I said, those have either retired or ETSed out. Now we have a couple of articles that will demonstrate that from today. Now this particular article was, I think, yesterday. Leftist lambasted for and I'm so glad they were for rushing to rule the death of this New York City career criminal who was put in a chokehold by a former Marine and they called it murder. This Marine, just a man on a subway, trying to protect the other passengers on the subway from the violent outburst of this career criminal put this man in a chokehold and guess what yes the this man this crazy lunatic and i don't mean that in a medical way but yeah he died should he have died Probably not. Should he have been harassing and threatening people on the subway? Absolutely not. Did this Marine do the right thing? And trying to protect the rest of the citizens on that subway? 
Absolutely. Do people like AOC? I mean, this these next couple of stories just disgust me, and I'm. I was I debated on whether I was even going to discuss this topic, but. You know, I try not to get into left, right, Republican, Democrat. And this is not a Republican, Democrat issue, but it's barely a left, right argument. But we have a city in New York City that's, well, probably in one of the worst states it's ever been. Now, I'm from New York, okay? So, born, raised, left. Went back, left again. I remember the 70s, although I was a child in the 70s. I remember, you know, 44 caliber killer, etc. There was just, you know, we, I mean, the streets were just chaotic and, I mean, there's crime everywhere. And as much as I don't like Rudy Giuliani, because I really, I mean, there's. I think it comes down to the John Gotti thing, and that's probably why I don't like him. Even though John Gotti was a too much of a showboat for his own good. That's why he wound up dying in prison, but the Teflon Don. But when you took down La Cosa Nostra, and you pitted people against one another, that just left... Gangbangers and thugs and just chaos in the streets. Look, there's always going to be crime. There's always going to be criminals. There's always going to be thugs. But if they're not controlled by a higher order, and I'll be honest with you, as you and I both know, it's not the police that are going to do. That's also not the. It's not the guards that run the prison. So. You've got to have a hierarchy. And when you take down the hierarchy, you just leave loose just a massive amounts of just individual criminals and everything turns to chaos. Now, I'm not saying that that happened necessarily in the 70s. Now, obviously, Giuliani did it mostly in the 80s, but we're as bad now as when we're in the Dinkin administration. You know, I hate to even say it, even in the Koch administration in New York. But anyway, I I digress. There was this, why the guy was homeless, I don't know, this career criminal who was um, acting erratically and he was antagonizing and threatening passengers on on the subway. And this was happening Monday, but... We had this 24-year-old former Marine and uh, a couple of others that helped them out. So they, they, as much as they're going to try and play the race card on this because the Marine was white, um, a couple of the other passengers who jumped in to help or did not appear to be white. So um, they're going to have a hard sell on the race aspect of this. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But the apparent effort to restore order on the F train and address. Jordan Neely's reportedly threatening behavior proved to be fatal. Jordan Neely. The incident involved a chokehold, resulted in Jordan Neely's death. Yes, we've mentioned that. Which the New York City Office of Chief Medical Examiner ruled as a homicide Wednesday evening. So, the medical examiner has now said this is a homicide. You've already had this former Marine go into the police station, give a statement. I don't believe he had an attorney. Anyway, I don't suggest talking to the police without an attorney. And yes, I come from a family full of police officers. Police officers, school teachers, etc. I'm from New York, don't forget. So, I I still don't suggest you do that. 
because you only at that point are giving an opportunity to the investigator to use whatever it is you say, especially if he's under a lot of pressure to close the case. Now, you've had radical leftists jumping in. I mean, we are entering riot season, so they've been jumping in on this to try and create this as a racial, racist incident. And holding up, once again, holding up a career criminal as the next messiah. Sorry, I almost cursed there. You know, there's many people that are going after this young kid who is trying to protect everybody on the train, this Marine, and they are going after him and trying to demonize him when they themselves are the demons. They are, this is, they are evil. These people like AOC are evil. Now, she may not be nearly as evil as some. Mitch McConnell. But she is. She's just, she's a tool. And she doesn't know she's been possessed, maybe. And she may not come across like that. She just comes back as some dim-witted, you know, I hate to say she is kind of attractive. Dim-witted, attractive person from, well, anyway. I don't know. And I'm not going to condemn her for being a bartender because I know plenty of bartenders. So I know people do that, but whatever. She's still a dimwit, though. Anyway, there's a background. According to the Blaze, like I said, the Blaze previously reported that the incident unfolded on the train at the Broadway Lafayette Street Station at about 2.30 p.m. This is during the middle of the day. He had one active warrant for felony assault and 42 prior arrests. And that was just between 2013 and 2021. So, I mean, obviously a career criminal. We're not going to get into his record. but And by all accounts, he's probably home. He probably was homeless. But he was menacing and threatening the passengers. So what do you do? According to the New York Post, one of the passengers, a black passenger who was aiding the blonde former Marine in subduing kneeling, reassured another passenger that he is not squeezing no more. In reference to the chokehold. Nobody, now, obviously the Marine had him in chokehold, could not see what was happening. But the people that were there, that were helping to subdue him, also apparently did not think that he was in danger of dying. Now, if you're holding the chokehold and you're behind him and you're laying on the ground with your back on the ground and the guy on top of you, you cannot see him. However, those that were helping by being on top, trying to subdue the situation, could. Well, apparently, Neely lost consciousness. And the EMTs were unable to revive him. <sighs> the Marine was taken into custody, but later released without charges. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams refrained from condemning the Marine. I applaud for that. Or, or prejudicing the situation, saying any loss of life is tragic. There's a lot we don't know about what happened here, so I'm going to refrain from commenting further. Now, the story has gotten a little bit more interesting since. And um, Alvin Bragg, <clears throat> yes, our favorite prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, office is looking into the case and reviewing footage and... I don't know what's going to happen here. But there sure is a lot of condemnation against a white 
blonde former marine because they're trying to make this into a knee-jerk reaction black man dies white man kills him story simple yes that's what happened let's have a freaking race race war now if you've listened to this podcast or me then you know that I say stop letting these freaking people pit us against one another. This case obviously had nothing to do with race. Don't let them think it does. Don't you think it does because it doesn't. No matter what AOC says. She is a tool. Yeah, she made up a lot of things, said a lot of things, not just this time, but on the border, that just doesn't do not seem to be sorted by uh, supported by the evidence, and in this case, are not supported by the footage of the incident nor the witnesses. So she's looking for something to hang her hat on for another freaking point. I think she's sadly mistaken, or at least I hope she is. I don't know. You know, we see things, and if you want, I mean, if we wanted to go down the race thing, we could go on, and this article goes on to discuss how Well, there was a black homeless man that raped a white woman on a Philadelphia subway and dozens of bystanders did nothing. So if you are a woman, white, black, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. Don't go alone. Be armed. Learn defensive shooting techniques if you're a woman and you're listening to this podcast this is a serious point you have got to learn to use a firearm you have got to learn defensive techniques whether it's with a knife a firearm whatever or learn how to run really fast. <laughs> no, that doesn't always work either. But You have got to learn to get out of a situation. You may not be able to get out of every situation, but you've got to try to learn. I don't, I mean, go down and learn MMA. At least. And get into some real good sparring matches. I mean, hard matches. Or get in the octagon and get into some real fights. Learn firearms. Learn your firearms. Learn tactical firearms training. Learn defensive techniques. Learn how to hold on to your weapon if being attacked. And I am talking to women here because normally... They're not as strong as men. And I am worried for women and children out there who nobody else is going to help. Now, in this particular case, a young Marine, 24 years old, did help. And now people are after him. And they're coming after him hard. Rather to be tried by 12, right, than carried by 6. Okay. On another military-related story tonight. Again, while our enemies are trying to kill us, and we are doing a good job of it internally amongst ourselves... We're in chaos in this country. 
The Navy okays the drag queen sailors racy Instagram content. Now, it's not just that. This is out of Breitbart. It's that he is an ambassador for the Navy, in the Navy. Look, dress whatever you want to do. I don't really care. Don't do it for children. Stay away from our children. Or suffer the consequences. However, I don't care what you do. But do you think you are going to get a lot of 18 to 21 year old men to want to join the U.S. military? testosterone filled young men to defend this nation when you're using people like this as your ambassador and your outreach program you already can't make the recruitment numbers and besides that what the heck is our enemies thinking are they laughing their asses off when they're having a drink of vodka or a sake or whatever it is they're drinking? I'm sure they are. The Navy was made aware of this f as far back as March. And I have seen some of these photos and they're, um, I don't know, whatever. On Instagram, account of one is Navy Digital Ambassador. Who is an active duty sailor and drag queen. Now, in the old days, you could make the joke. Well, it is the Navy. You know, one of those types of things. But I don't think you can do that today. Not politically correct, huh? 500 men go out. 250 couples come back. Those kinds of jokes. Now, if you're not, in, if you're in the Navy, you know what I'm saying. If you're not in the Navy, you really know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, there's some jokes about why... You know, why do they have... I'm not going to get into the jokes. But. but indicated the photos were okay. Breitbart has exclusively learned. I've seen some of these photos. Like I said, they're terrible. But whatever. In March, Representative Jim Banks, Republican of Indiana, I don't know. Who cares if he's Republican or Democrat. House Armed Services Subcommittee on Military Personnel Chairman asked the Navy about the Instagram Account of second-class petty officer Joshua Kelly, which shows Kelly, who also goes by his stage name of Harpy Daniels. Okay, anyway, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think this is furthering our, uh, you know, this is not furthering us. Um, isn't the U.S. military there to defend and kill if necessary to protect this nation from all enemies. Well, this guy's dressed in drag, lingerie, underwear, bottoms, or nothing. One photo is captioned with the hashtag <sighs> F boy. I'll put it that way. Alright. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't really want to do these articles, but I mean they're out there, so I have to I have to talk about them. The Navy's Office of Information identified five sailors to volunteer <laughs> to use their unofficial personal social media platforms to share their Navy experiences, this being one of them, I guess, with the respective social media communities and followers. These are Navy digital ambassadors. Their purpose is to attract new recruits to the Navy. I mean, you can't, make, <laughs> you can't make it up. You really just can't make it up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I digress, but it's, I mean, this is hysterical. Don't you guys think? Banks and Navy veterans said an exclusive statement to my part, the Biden's DOD embrace of Lafarla politics is dividing Americans while our adversaries like Russia and China are overjoyed. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're <laughs> laughing their butts off. 
The historic recruitment shortfall is one of the most serious national security problems we face today. And the DOD, DOD isn't going to fix it by doubling down on radical left policies that got us here to begin with. Yeah. And it goes on to say, the public awareness of the Navy's drag queen digital ambassador. Hey, look. At least he's not drinking a Bud Light, right? Comes as an Anheuser Bush is facing major backlash for creating the Bud Light camp with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. I don't think it's actually about. I don't think anybody cares one way or the other about Dylan Mulvaney. Maybe they do, but um, I think it's more about that VP of marketing who said she hates her own customers, basically her own customer base. Like, hey, look, we're tired of these fratty boy, you know, macho type looking people with all these testosterone filled people drinking uh, Bud. Light. We want um, we want people like Dylan Mulvaney to drink it. No, if that's what they want, so be it. Everybody will just switch off to something else. If you're drinking, you know, I don't drink but light anyway. Uh, I really don't drink, but and if I do have a beer, it's um, typically a Guinness or something. I know I sound a little like Tim Pool or something, right? I don't think he drinks Guinness either. But hey, I'm half Irish. What can I tell you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's not for that story. It's just, it's ridiculous. You can, there's a thousand jokes to talk about that, but let's get into a, well, let's just say it's a little bit more of a serious, and that's our last article to discuss today. It's about J6. Now, you see how the Navy... And the military is promoting people like, well, I'm saying like Dylan Mulvaney, that other guy there that we just talked about, the um, digital ambassador. Um, now, when they get other people who are what we would consider typical or traditional type, um, you know, combat arms, like Bravo, 13 Bravo type, you know, people, you know, hua hua. Um, what they would consider toxic masculinity or whatever. I, I guess that's the term, right? They're trying to weed everybody out like that. So, they are trying to say, the Military Times has come out to say that four members of the neo-fascist Proud Boys. You know, I, I don't know a lot about the Proud Boys, but I don't think that they are. I think that the Antifa people are way more fascist than the Proud Boys, but... Anyway, that's what they're calling them. The Military Times is calling them. Um, and talked about their military backgrounds. Were convicted Thursday of a plot to attack the U.S. Capitol. Well, they, I consider these. You know what? They may consider them terrorists, but one man's terrorist is another man's uh, freedom fighter, right? Um, J6 political prisoners. There's a lot of them. Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, um, just everyday people, old ladies, uh, old men. Oh, I'm getting to be an old man myself, I guess. A significant milestone J6. Cases that again highlight the participation of veterans and service members and created a new wave of disinformation. So, if you go against the narrative, if you go against the prevailing narrative you are then considered to be a conspiracy theorist okay and you are considered one that pushes misinformation and disinformation Brad Boy leader Enrique Terrio hmm, does not really sound like a um neo-fascist white supremacist person right i don't think that's that he sounds like and he actually doesn't quite look like it either so i don't know whatever i mean they kind of killed their own story here with this but uh, along with members uh ethan nordin joseph biggs and zachary real were convicted by a jury in dc today of seditious conspiracy seditious conspiracy there's a lot of people who can talk to you about the legal aspects of this, but I, I believe it's been an extremely long time since um, we've been charging people with sedition. 
I considered it to be redress of the government. And you know what? You saw what happened with them. With the shaman. Right? What happened with him? The Viking shaman? What happened to him? Um, exculpatory evidence? What happened to that? Was that was that turned over in discovery? Was that a mockery of justice? Yeah, 100%. These people, these guys that are being tried are political trials, political convictions in kangaroo courts. You know what, though? It happened during the Revolutionary War as well. How many people died during the Revolutionary War that were stuck on ships and convict ships? How many people died? How many people suffered and just died of starvation and disease? This does not seem all that much different than the rumblings before the Revolutionary War actually broke out into a full-on kinetic war. That's where we're at in this country right now, aren't we? We are having the birth pangs. We are a harbinger. This is a harbinger of what's to come. Now, according to military times this is a case as a reminder that a large segment of the j6 protesters hey, at least they use the word protesters this time were veterans and even active duty service members yeah those are the these are the people that you want to have protecting you these are the ones that you want to have on the front lines and say no you're not coming past me but what are we doing to them? Well, we're kind of doing to them like happened to the Knights Templar, huh? We're rounding them up, putting them in prisons, torturing them. That's what's happening to them. They're being tortured. They're political prisoners in black sites, basically. <sighs> Why? Because... Military community that proved willing to resort to violence against elected leaders. I didn't see any violence against elected leaders and fellow officers of the law. I didn't see that either. What I did see is law enforcement killing Ashley Babbitt, primed by a steady stream of disinformation that cast the 2020 election as a rigged or stolen. Well, so if you question election integrity, you are now a terrorist. Like-minded election deniers. Oh, here we go. This is the this is what the Military Times is resorting to. They have gone woke completely. But I'm reading it just because you can see what's happening in our military today. Now, they go on to condemn people, I guess, like myself here, I guess. Uh, like-minded election deniers. Took to social media following Thursday's convictions, condemning the verdict as a gross injustice. And several popular conservative Twitter accounts described the defendants as political prisoners. How you can call them anything but political prisoners is baffling, to say the least. And then they go, anybody who's who believes this apparently or should be found guilty of seditious conspiracies and should be going to prison if you think differently than what you're being told to think in the group think setting For the past, I'm only, I, I hate that. I mean, like I said, I hated to do these stories because these publications have become such a joke. The Military Times is a joke. It's garbage. It's a rag of a paper. But I'm reading it to you so you can understand, in case you don't read it, that what kind, what they are trying to do to the men and women who 
honorably served this country. The rank and file, the combat arms guys, and I'm not trying to negate the combo guys or supply guys or anything else. I'm not trying to do that. But, join combat arms. Anyway, 11s, 11 bravos, 13 bravos, etc. For the past decade, Jensen has managed a database of domestic extremists charged with crimes. The attack on the Capitol and the demographics of those individuals involved prompted his team to take a closer look at the role of veterans and service members in extremist groups. Now, I don't belong to a group of anything, but um, I would say that they would put me right in their category of the no-fly list people, right? Veterans' participation in the Capitol siege was also tracked by George Washington University. Oh my goodness, and Howard Uni or Harvard University. I would say Howard. You know, so all the little rich kids running around George Washington University and Harvard University are now going to sit in judgment of your sons and daughters. Your patriotic sons and daughters, the ones who were willing to actually give their lives for this country, for some snot-nosed kid from George Washington University and Harvard University, they make me sick. I digress. This is I know this is a completely different kind of podcast than what you're, that one I've been doing, but I can't help myself. I'm I'm actually very angry, and I'm trying not to let that come through. The military service prepares you to lead a group, he said. These guys tend to either be the ones establishing the organization, or they rise through the ranks very quickly. Well, you know what? You have those, you know, lead, follow, or get the out of the way. Pussy-ass bastards. Now, Jensen. Searched through known channels of disinformation across social media platforms following Thursday's verdict. I don't even know if this podcast is going to wind up going out there or if it's going to get shut down. I don't know. And found what he said were typical responses, including claims that the defendants had no reason to think they were doing anything wrong. You know what? What was the freaking FBI doing there, huh? What were they doing? Who were they encouraging to go into the Capitol? Who was opening up the doors of the Capitol to let people in? Who was escorting these people around? I saw a lot of people holding flags. Oh, my. Maybe even saying the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem. Taking photos. Now, were there a few people who did probably do significant amounts of damage? Sure. Were some of those guys people law enforcement? Possibly. But you know what? If you are a rank-and-file law enforcement, this is not just for the military guys. If you're a rank-and-file law enforcement and you put up with this crap, and you put up with this left-wing crap. These are the only people that were supporting you. And if you turn your backs on them, they will turn their backs on you. And then who are you going to be left with? Nothing but the woke leaders that you now have become tools for. You need to stand up to your damn leaders, your damn chiefs of police around this damn country. Oh, here we go. Now they're talking about the Oath Keepers being a right-wing fringe organization. I don't think it was my right-wing fringe organization. I don't think so. I know a little bit more about Oath Keepers than I do the Proud Boys. I don't know a lot about the Proud Boys, but
I don't know. Oath Capers operated through a hierarchy, which made it difficult for members to continue after the arrest of their leaders. Unlike that group, the Proud Boys lack a centralized structure and instead operate as autonomous chapters. Well, that may be, and if that is, it sounds a little bit like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Since January 6, 2021, chapters of the Proud Boys have turned their attention toward local politics. Oh, very good. Okay. Rather than trying to influence things at a national level, Jensen said they protested mask mandates during the COVID. Oh, wow. They must be really bad. They protested mask mandates. Here we go again. And have argued against critical race theory. This is the crap in the damn military times. This is not supposed to be some progressive left-wing rag, but that's what it is. And they've argued against critical race theory at their local school board meetings and other activities. There we go pushing the narrative if you do not like crt or you're against it or you're against the mask or you're against vaccinations you are a terrorist that's again what they're telling you the only good thing in this damn story is that the verdict is unlikely to end the proud boys jensen said they are not going away because these four guys are going to spend 20 years in jail This last, this podcast was a lot longer than I anticipated. I didn't think it was going to last as long. But I'm going to be honest, this stuff is just disgusting. How they treat the actual, the actual patriots of this country. The actual people who love this country. And who would have died for this country and lived for this country. Instead, they hold up the worst of the worst, the criminals, and those who do nothing to support this nation in any way except for suck it dry. How much longer are we going to support them? Where does this all lead? We've got threats from the inside. Against all enemies foreign. And we've got foreign enemies coming in our wazoo. Both foreign and domestic. And right now, it appears that the domestic enemies are coming from the top within our government. Those who representatives are supposed to be our representatives, supposed to have been legally and legitimately elected representatives. And they're not. The only way anybody is going to appreciate their freedom now is when it's completely gone. And all these whiny little freaking... I'm going to tell you what. When you're gone, if you're gone, if you've been to, I don't say, Iraq, Afghanistan, both, for one year, two years, five years, and when you come back to the U.S., besides the feeling that comes after about 90 days where you just really can't stand being back here, the whiny bullshit from the people here. cry baby American citizens you want to cry for something go you know what all these people crying for Ukraine go the over to Ukraine go and see what it's really like and even go to Russia and see what it's really like you should have gone to Afghanistan you should have gone to Iraq and if you're old enough you should have gone to Vietnam And if you haven't, I don't want to freaking hear from you. But if you have, I really do want to hear from you. And please comment. There's a contact us button on the bottom somewhere. Just hit the hit contact, uh, contact me, contact us, whatever it says. 
and send me a message. Please. Thank you. I'm sorry that this uh, podcast kind of uh, went in a, off the rails a little bit. I didn't know what I was going to do for this podcast until right before it, and I apologize if it. It just I'm, I'm just sick and sick to death of it. Sick, sick and tired of it. All right.